If you're using your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. If you're using the church app, you can just uh, press the uh, scripture there in the Bible app, and it will open up for you. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And this morning we uh, are finalizing the last message on this focus that we've had for the last couple of months about This Is Us. And we've looked at uh, from a personal standpoint but also a scriptural standpoint about who we are as God's people and who we are as the church family. And this morning uh, I want to focus on us being people who care. People who care. If anybody could ask who we are, who we are as a people, as a family of Temple Baptist, I would want people to know that we are people who care. A lot of times people visit our church and say that they are experience a lot of welcoming and loving on them as they come in, and that should be a sign that we are a people who care. And a lot of times the sense of being inside the walls of the church and being friendly and smiling and welcoming, that, that is easy to express that we are a people of care, that care. But I want us to be a people that outside the walls of this church, that people know that we are a people who care. We not only care about each other, care about people who come in the walls of this church, but we care about people who are outside the walls of this church who may not know Christ as their personal Savior. And a lot of times the sense of God's calling upon us and how we are to be a people of care, we need a little bit of reminder and motivation for that. I have a picture I want you to look at this morning, and Jason, if you would pop that up for me this morning. How many of you have ever seen this picture before? Anybody? Just one person, I think. This picture, if you can't see it very clearly, in the bottom is a little boy in Sudan, and in the background is a vulture that is anticipating that this little boy is going to die, and the vulture is going to have a meal after this happens. This particular picture was taken by a man named Kevin Carter, who was a journalist and a photographer, and he won the Pulitzer, uh, Pulitzer Prize for this particular picture for photography. And he won it because of it being a realization of, in 1993, what the hunger state was in Sudan. And this picture, when it hit the news, began to spread rapidly, and a lot of questions were, came up about this particular picture. And one of the questions that came to Kevin Carter, who took the picture, was this, which may have passed some of your mind, knowing that a photographer was there on the scene and he snapped this photograph. And question that was asked to Kevin Carter was, what did you do for that child? To which some have responded that he said, he didn't do anything. Now, I don't know about you, but my first thoughts are that even more importantly for, than the picture would be embracing that child and getting them to help. And so then the question came to a lot of people's mind, did he care more about the photo and being a prize-winning photographer-journalist, or did he care more about the reality of what was happening in this one precious life? The year after he took this photo, he won the Pulitzer Prize. Four months after he won the Pulitzer Prize, 
he committed suicide. And many felt like that some of the pictures he had took like this. Matter of fact, in the suicide letter that he wrote, when he committed suicide, he made comments about so, seeing so much death and devastation that was overwhelming for him. And many felt like this may have been one of the turning points that just overwhelmed him because he did not do anything. We don't know that for a fact, but many came up with the question, did he really care about the life or just the photo? In the scripture we look at in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 35 through 38, Jesus in that chapter has healed some people. He's healed the blind. He's cast out demons. He's uh, enabled some to hear. And then he speaks, the Bible tells us about what Jesus saw after he had done these things. And that's where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It says, And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you kind of look at the sandwich of these scriptures of verses 35 through 38, we see Jesus seeing a multitude of people and he's moved with compassion. And then we see at the close of that him saying, Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Basically, Jesus is saying, pray that people will care and that people will do something to change things from what he was seeing. I believe that in these scriptures, Jesus is revealing some things to us that we need to kind of take note of this morning. The first one is, I believe that Jesus wants us to see something that is very important. You see, in this scripture, it tells us that Jesus saw the multitude. And I believe that Jesus wanted his disciples, and he wants you and I as his followers today, to see something in the world that we're living in, and it's beyond just that there's a lot of people. Matter of fact, according to statistics of what they can be best record now, they feel like there's like 7.7 billion, that's with a B, billion people in the world today. But Jesus is not wanting us to see today the importance of how many people there are, but the reality of how many people there are in the world that are lost who do not know Christ as their personal Savior. And by statistics, they have said that out of this 7.7 billion, 20-something percent of those people will probably die without ever really hearing a real clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality that they could be saved from their sins. And so Jesus is seeing something there. He's seeing a multitude of people, but he sees beyond the numbers. He sees the condition of those people and how desperate they are. And I think that's the same thing as Jesus wants us to see today, and that is he wants us to see something around us and not that we just work around a lot of people or that we go to school with a lot of people or that we're traveling up and down the streets with a lot of people. I was on uh, I-75 and I-85 and I-285 yesterday, and there was lots and lots and lots of people, and they were traveling very fast. <laughs> Most people were passing me. 
And as they were passing by, there was a moment I thought, as they're flying by, whizzing from one place to another, the thought was going, how many people are consumed with just things of the world and not understanding the reality that what's beyond this world? And that is the reality of heaven and hell. I believe that Jesus wanted his disciples to see something that was very important. And I believe the scriptures are speaking to you and I today that Jesus wants us to see something that is very important today. And that is that we are surrounded with a lot of people who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Who have never received his free gift of salvation. Do we realize that when we're traveling on the interstate and people are flying by? When we're in our workplace or in school place and people are busy doing this and that. When we're hearing things, someone was talking to me this week about how that some in their family were talking about some of the uh, sinful condition of other people. And how bad that sinful condition was, how bad those actions were. But the question is, when we see that, are we just moved with disgust and think, I don't want to hear that? Are we moved with the reality there is someone who needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? When they speak some filthy language, when they're watching some vulgar things, when they're taking some actions and some activities of their life that are way outside of God's Word, do we see the desperate need of other people? When I look at these scriptures, I think that Jesus is trying to speak to you and I today and he expects us to see something very important and that is there's a lot of people who are desperate in need of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Here's the second thing I believe that Jesus wants us to see in these or experience or expects us to have in these scriptures and that is he expects us to feel something about these lost people. Jesus not only wants us to see something that is very important, but he wants us to feel something about the lostness of people around us. If you were to look at that verse 36, it not only says that Jesus saw the multitude, but the very next thing says he was moved with compassion. The verse is saying that Jesus' heart was stirred. His emotions were moved. Just like a while ago when we popped up that scripture, my emotions, even though I have seen that picture several times, Every time I look at it, it moves my emotions. It stirs my heart to see the reality that there was just a, a small child. And if you could look at that child if it was, as it was sitting there on the ground, the, the physical torso part of the body was a little bit kind of swollen from lack of hunger. But the legs were just like toothpicks and the arms were like toothpicks because of the lack of nutrition. And so when I look at that, I'm moved with compassion. I'm moved emotionally to the reality of the condition of that little boy and how desperately he needed food. And I look at that, and this morning we had coffee house. We had breakfast before Life in the Word this morning. And I had my four grandkids over there. And they, when they went through the line, they were, I want this, I want that, I want a donut, I want a cinnamon roll, I want grapes, I want, and they wanted everything. And then when the, some of them ate some of those items, they, they called me Gigi, they said, Gigi, can I have some more of that uh, gravy and biscuit? They love that, Irene. And then when they got through eating this, that, and the other, they started getting up, and I'd see there was half a donut left, or a little bit of that, and there a little bit of this that was left on there. And to them, it was no big deal. They had what they wanted. 
and the rest of it, I'm done. Any of y'all ever hear kids say that? My grandkids say that all the time. Finish eating your food, I'm done. I mean, I, I, I don't want nothing else. I'm not interested in eating anything else. I'm done. And so they just throw it away. And to them, it's nothing significant, doesn't mean anything. Obviously, for me this morning, as they were saying, I'm done, I don't want any more, and I was trying to get them to eat the rest of it, I was remembering my message and this little child that's laying there on the ground. And so as Gia handed me one, and she had like, I think it was a cinnamon roll that she'd just taken a bite out of it, I thought, I ain't throwing that cinnamon roll away. <laughs> Somebody needed that. One of them had partial donut, and I ain't throwing that donut away. That's probably when I get home. <laughs> when I get home, I'm going to weigh five pounds more because no food was going to waste this morning. I was eating it all. But Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw the people. He saw their condition, and it moved him. I told you about Kevin Carter who took that photo and how that he made the photo in 93. He won the Pulitzer Prize in 94, and then four months after he won it, he committed suicide. And one of the parts of his suicide note said this, I'm really, really sorry. The pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy does not exist. I'm depressed, don't have a phone, no money for rent, money for child support, debts. I'm haunted by vivid memories of killings and corpses. You say in that scripture that, or in that suicide note that what he was feeling was just a sense of emptiness and no joy in life. And yet you and I who have accepted Christ as our personal Savior should have the greatest joy. And we should feel a sense that those who do not have Christ don't have what we have. And so when we see someone who maybe talks with profanity or maybe has actions in their life that says they're living a total opposite lifestyle of Christ in their life. We should feel something not of disgust, but feel something of there is somebody who is in desperate need of Christ. I see it and I feel it. When I throw up that picture of that child in that vulture, I'm hoping that you felt something this morning. If you don't, then maybe you need Christ as your Savior this morning. We should feel something because of the desperate needs of other people. And Jesus was feeling that. He was moved with compassion. So Jesus wants us to see something very important, and that is there's lost people all around us. He wants us to feel something for those lost people. But he also wants us to know something. The Bible tells us that after Jesus spoke of these people and he was moved with compassion, it says that, they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I told you a while ago that there's 7.7 billion people in the world today and they believe that probably 20-something percent of those people will die without a clear gospel message of their need of Christ in their life. And so Jesus is trying to get across to those disciples there to know something, and that is these are just not just people, but they are in a desperate need and they're dying spiritually. Jesus wants us to know something about the lost people around us, and that is that every day there are lives that are going to an eternity, lives that are ending. 
Whenever I was, I remember one of the things that moved me the most about lost people was when I got a phone call when I was in my 20s. And the phone call was that my grandfather had had a heart attack and died. We didn't know of any health problems with him, but he had uh, been out doing some work, came into the basement and went into the bathroom that he had in the basement for cleaning up and different things, had a heart attack in the bathroom and died. And the very first thing that crossed my mind, got that phone call, and they said that my grandfather had died. The very first thing that crossed my mind was I never asked him if he knew Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. I never asked him. I didn't know at that moment whether he died lost or saved. Jesus wants us to know something about the lost people around us. He wants us to know about people around us, whether they have accepted Christ as their Savior or not. We're doing this outreach called Saturate. And we're going out into the area. As a matter of fact, we did it a couple weeks ago, and we'll be going next Sunday at 5 o'clock. And we'll be going out into the area around the Brookwood community. And we're just going out and giving people a free pack that's got the Jesus film and gospel tracks in it and asking them if there's anything that we can pray for them. And there's been several churches that have already been doing it for quite a while, and we've already had testimonies of people who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. We've had people that, at the time they were visited, there were people that were fighting, their marriage was on the rocks, and their marriages got healed. And it's all because that we realize and know there's people out there that their lives are messed up and they need Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Jesus wanted his disciples to know something about the lost people. He wants us to know something. And so you look at the scriptures. Jesus wants us to see something that lost people are around us. He wants us to feel something, and that is have compassion and some type of emotional concern about people who are lost around us. He wants us to know something about them. But guess what the last thing is that I believe that Jesus wants us to see from these scriptures he wants us to do something he not only wants us to see something and feel something and know something about those lost people but he wants us to do something I told you from that picture that one of the things that Kevin Carter the photographer who took that picture got questioned about one of the first things that he was asked was what did you do for that child they saw what he saw. They felt compassion for that little child. They knew that the child, by its positioning and its physical appearance, was desperate for food. And then the question was, what did you do? We have looked at and talked about this morning the reality of people who are lost around us. And how desperate people need to know Christ and how high a percentage many people will die without a clear message of Jesus Christ given to them. And now the question comes to you and I, what are we going to do about it? Jesus wants you and me to see something. Very important, and that's lost people around us. He wants us to feel something, and that is he wants us to feel a concern that somebody around us you see, when my grandfather died, I felt a great concern that I had not done what I was supposed to do. I'd never asked him if he was a Christian, if he knew Christ. Jesus wants us to see something, feel something. He wants us to know something. 
And now he wants us to do something. While they come to get a song ready, I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask you this question this morning. What are you going to do about people who are lost around you? Are you and I really a people who care? It's easy inside the walls of this church when somebody comes in to give them a smile, give them a handshake, express love and interest in them. But outside the walls of this church, for people who do not know Christ, or maybe we're uncertain whether they know Christ or not, do we see the lost condition of the people? Do we feel a sense that we have a responsibility Do we know that people are dying every day without Christ going to a place called hell? And do we really want to do something with our lives to make a change? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? While they're getting the songs ready, I want to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything this morning. But if you feel a sense this morning that you need to do something about those who are lost in the world today, then maybe you just want to, during this invitation song, just come and kneel at the altar and just begin to pray. Pray for some of those people who are around you that either you know that they don't know Christ as their Savior and never been saved, or pray for those around you that you're uncertain and you need to witness to them. Maybe you need to pray for some specific names, but also maybe you need to pray for yourself that you will do something. Do something besides call the pastor and say, could you go see them? But you ask a question yourself and find out whether they know Christ as their Savior. I'm inviting you this morning to take the first step in doing something, and that is pray for some names, pray for yourself, and pray that we will be a people who really care. We have been on this theme for the last couple of months. This is us. And that's what I want to be able to say about us, and that is we are a people who care. We see the lost condition. We feel a sense of responsibility. We know that they are desperate and need Christ, and we are going to do something about it. Lord, I come to you this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. God, the reality is that sometimes we can look at a picture like that of a little child and a vulture waiting to prey upon that child. And that will move us. It connects with us. I can't stand that reality of a child going without food and being hungry. I can't stand the thought of a child fixing to be eaten by a vulture because its life ends with hunger. We can connect with that. We feel something. But Lord, you and your scriptures tried to get us to a much more important reality, and that is if a person dies without you as their personal Savior, if they die without hearing the message of Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation, they'll spend eternity in a place called hell, which is far worse than hunger. So Lord, I ask you, God, this morning that you would compel us This focus that we've been doing on This Is Us, may we be compelled that we want to be certain that we are people who care. This is us. We are people who care. Not just because we've seen something. Not just because we felt something. And not just because we know something. But because we're doing something. 
So God, I pray that you'll hear the prayers and the names of those who are in the altar this morning that may be praying for somebody that they are uncertain if that person is saved or not. And they're praying for a conviction and an opportunity to witness to them. Maybe they're praying for somebody that they know is lost. God, that you'd hear those names and that you'd hear those prayers. But God, I pray that you'd help stir along prayers for ourselves that we would do something. Lord, in that last scripture that we read, you told those disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the field because the fields are white for the harvest. And the whiteness meant it was ripe, it was ready, it was the time. And Lord, I believe we're in a time right now that that people desperately need you and now is the time to move. Now's the time to take advantage of the opportunities when the door opens for us to share Christ with somebody. So God, I pray right now this morning, Lord, that you would cause us to see, feel, to know, and to do something. Maybe this morning, maybe there's someone here that's never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. And I wouldn't want to end this service without giving you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. If you're uncertain of your salvation or maybe you've never been saved, would you pray this prayer silently in your heart after me? Dear Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. Lord, I know I've made some mistakes in my life. I know I've sinned. But today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I turn my life over to you. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and some are praying, if you pray that prayer with me, you made the most important decision of your life. And I want to remember you in my prayers. If you pray that prayer with me, would you just slip up your hand just to say, Pastor, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior this morning, and I really meant it. Yes. Are there others? Thank you very much. You may put your hand down in just a moment. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need to come pray that for others, pray for yourself. We invite you to come. But if you pray to receive Christ as your Savior this morning, if you need to nail down your salvation, you see, next Sunday we're having Obedience Sunday. And for some in this service today, you may need to take a step of obedience to just publicly acknowledge that you've accepted Christ, to follow the Lord in baptism. You may need to take that step, and maybe the first step is this morning just to come and take my hand and say, Pastor, I pray that prayer. Or I've been saved, but I haven't been baptized. I need to follow the Lord in baptism. Where I feel like the Lord's leading me to be a part of this church family. Take that first step of obedience. But most of all, I want you to leave here today knowing that you are going to be different. Different than Kevin Carter. You're going to do something about those who do not know you. Lord, we just put this service in your hands. And God, we pray, Lord, that decisions will be made and that you'll be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen.